You're listening to the Heritage Ag Solutions Podcast here in Monmouth, Illinois. I'm Justin Alleman. On our show, we discuss agronomy, grain marketing, and other topics to help you improve your profitability. This episode was recorded the week of August 22nd. And as we approach the end of August, our agronomists are fielding calls and getting questions about soybean disease symptoms that are currently going on. Was the sudden death rating for that soybean variety wrong? Are seed treatments like Saltro no longer effective? And for corn, are we going to see the same disease pressure we did last year? On top of that, what does this August weather mean for corn yields? We will answer these questions and more in today's episode. All right. Well, today we are back with Brad Cook, Golden Harvest Agronomist. And and Brad, you've been getting, um, at this point in the season, you know, we're past the fungicide applications in that window. But as we approach, um, you know, critical time for soybeans and then also the grain fill period for corn, uh, you're actually getting quite a few service calls pertaining to soybeans. So can you kind of uh, fill us in on what's going on there and what growers are seeing and, and what that concern might be? Yeah, well, good afternoon, Justin. Um, yeah, soybeans seem to be the uh, the topic of the week and, and, and last week. There's a lot of diseases showing up um, or foliar symptoms of some, tor- you know, some type of disease. Um, many times it looks like sudden death syndrome. And I, <clears throat> I've been on a few situations where, I, where, where that is the case. Um, in some earlier planted April beans, but lots of calls coming in on, you know, May planted, late May, even early June planted the soybeans with symptomology that appears to be sudden death syndrome. You know, and it, it may even be on beans that have a pretty decent score for sudden death, and maybe they were even treated with, you know, one of the seed treatments like Saltro. So just it's got, you know, got some customers as well as, as dealers and, and reps scratching their head and what's going on. So we've been doing quite a big a digging into it, literally like digging roots and splitting plants, trying to figure out what's going on. And um, one thing I want to point out is so this this intervenal chlorosis, which is the yellowing between the veins of soybean leaves and even goes, you know, goes brown after a certain point that looks like sudden death syndrome. There is actually three other fungal diseases that mimic or look almost identical to sudden death syndrome. So to call those out, you know, brown stem rot, that's one that the industry pretty much knows, you know, you know, the difference then is you split the stem and brown stem rot, the, the pith is, is brown and versus sudden death syndrome, the pith is still white, but you've got some, some browning on the, um, the outer edges of the stem, but what's called the cortex. So those are kind of the two that you went back and forth with. Well, there's actually two other diseases that will make the plant exhibit the same symptomology. And so 
one, the other one, one of those others is southern stem canker. So that's that's a fungus. Um, it's it's not a root rot. It's um, the spores land and actually make infection points um, at the nodes or right below the nodes on the stem on the main stem. And again, that pathogen can make the leaves appear, you know, have the intervenal chlorosis. So that's one disease I've seen, you know, be mistaked for the sudden death as we've looked at things the last two weeks. Um, and then there's a new disease that actually was first found in Pike County, Illinois in 2017 or 18, but it's fairly new is my point called red root rot or, or red crown rot of, of, of soybeans. So huh, it's very similar to sudden death syndrome. Again, it, it, it makes, it has the same leaf symptomology. Um, it's a root rot. The difference is it infects under warmer soil conditions versus sudden death syndrome. So, which makes sense to all these situations where the beans were planted later in, in warmer conditions. So as we're digging roots, we're seeing the roots exhibiting this, this orangish um, color. I've yet to send any off to a lab. I'm going to this week, but I think a lot of what we're seeing that looks like sudden death syndrome is actually this, this red root rot um, from that standpoint. And then last but not least, I just learned about this two weeks ago. There is a, a new virus called soybean um, bane necrosis virus um, that looks somewhat similar. Um, so my point is, is there's a lot of things that give those, those foliar symptoms. Um, another one is soybean cyst nematodes. Um, and so we were just in a, in a field last week where the tops of the, the plants, the, the uppermost leaves were starting to yellow. It didn't quite look like sudden death, but that's what the grower thought was about to come on. And after examination, there, there, was, there was no signs of disease, that, but there was literally, we didn't, I couldn't count. But just in just in a two to three inch strand of, of lateral root, I counted over um, three dozen soybean cyst nematodes. So on the whole plant root system, I, I'm sure there was hundreds, probably thousands of soybean cyst nematodes. So that situation was just the cyst pressure population on the root system coupled with dry conditions, coupled with the poorer soils on, on that given farm. The symptoms were on the on the poor spots. So, again, it looks like sudden death, but the the situation doesn't make sense for sudden death. So, trying to figure out, you know, the whole thing, and really the common denominator of everything I've looked at, no matter what disease it is, is soybean cyst nematode um, populations that I I haven't experienced in years um so anyhow so those 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 nematodes can vector or you know bring in 
or, or give a, 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 a infection point in the roots. So that's kind of the starting point. And then you got to figure out exactly what disease you're looking at then from that standpoint to go forward. Mm-hmm. Well, once you identify the disease at this point in, I mean, here we are in mid to late August, is there anything that can be done or we're just learning for next year to see what steps we would need to take for the future? Yeah, for the, for the most part on, on any of those that I mentioned, there's, there's no remedy right now, but it is, it is important to decipher because, you know, between, so between the root rots, right? So you might question, Hey, did my seed treatment work for sudden death or, you know, it's, it's good to know, you know, Hey, it, it looks like sudden death, but that's really not what you got. So, you know, it just gives you a little more peace of mind or faith and, you know, in the product that, um, that you purchased there. So that, that's a piece of it. This, the stem canker can actually be prevented. That's not a root rot. Um, if it's there now, you're not going to go out and spray and get rid of it. But so that's good to know if you've got that so that you're, you can make sure you do a, a timely, you know, fungicide application in the future. Good coverage is another piece. One field that we identified with the southern stem canker, you know, it was reported to us that the grower sprayed fungicide. Well, he did, but it was with, you know, an airplane. So, and not that an airplane is, isn't good for doing fungicides, especially in corn, but, you know, for something like this where you're infecting the pathogen infects nodes up and down the soybean stem, I mean, you got to have serious coverage to prevent a disease like southern stem cankers so um so so just all of those types of things just to understand the battle plan for for the future mm-hmm. okay well and by and large soybeans that look good they look they look really good i've seen you know some tall beans not that height would you know makes that big of a difference but just some really good looking beans out there in the countryside but like you said there are some some things out there to keep an eye out for and it's not necessarily sudden death in this case so still some still a lot to learn um, but definitely something to um, stay tuned and kind of follow the story as we uh, approach september so that's corn uh, that's soybeans uh what do you have for us for corn i mean really the weather we've seen these this cool nights uh couldn't get any better for grain fill is that right absolutely um i i honestly think corn yields are gonna really surprise people at least here in west central illinois um to 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 the upper side right um not that we haven't had issues and it's and it's been dry um for the most part, there's areas that's got more or less, but what has really saved us in, in what I would call a, a drier summer is this, the temperatures we've had here in August, um, both the daytime as well as probably more importantly, the nighttime temperatures. Um, I, I can't remember in August where it's ever, where we've ever had consecutive days literally consecutive weeks 
of highs in the low 80s. I mean, there was days where it was not even hardly 80. And then lows in the in the 60s, like low 60s. In fact, there's one morning my truck, I was at 59 on my, you know, my truck six in the morning. So just on pretty much unheard of, very different from last year, Justin, if you remember at this point, I mean, highs in the nineties, you know, lows in the low eighties, upper seventies. So that's a big deal when it comes to the plant processes in corn, well, even in soybeans, but um, for both crops, but for corn, it's extremely important um, to cool down. If we can get down past 70 degrees, the nighttime respiration rates drastically decrease. And so what does that mean and why does that matter? During the day, essentially, corn plant never really rests it never stops working but during the day it's its project and task is to produce sugar and that's through the process of photosynthesis and so you've always heard me we need sunlight we need water you know we need nutrients and we need carbon dioxide that's the process that fuels photosynthesis Um, so that happens during the day and so you you make sugar okay at night, if you're warm, that plant uses a bunch of sugar to repair cells as well as as, as, as grow. I mean, corn uh, corn actually grows at night, and actually it has a big spurt right in the early morning. Um, that's why a lot of the old timers used to say you can hear corn growing early in the morning. Uh, you literally can. Um, but anyhow, so that that's the process, and the warmer it is at night, the more sugar that you made during the day gets consumed to fuel the processes at night called dark respiration. If you cool down, even from like 75 to 65 is, is, a, is a big deal. Um, you know, if you're over 80, and then that that respiration rate is it's churning and burning, you, and you can literally burn up the majority of what you made during the day to fuel that nighttime process. And so then, very little photosynthate, which is sugars and carbohydrates, then go into the ear or the kernel. And so, in a hot dry, you know, in a hot finish. The grain fill, that's why kernel weight will be low. We kind of saw that last year. We've had years that was even worse than that. But so this year, where we're down in the 60s, um, most of what's made during the day will then go to grain fill or to that to those kernels versus being burned at night. So that was kind of a long science lesson to explain why it's so important uh, and so the net result is going to be kernel weights that are going to be very above average mm-hmm. uh, 
So if I go out there and I do a stand, I measure off a thousandth of an acre, you know, 17 and a half feet on 30 inch rows. I count this, the number of plants. I, I pull some ears. I count around. I count long, you know, do all that, that math. Um, what are you at this point, knowing what we know as far as the temperature we've had and the forecast, what number then could I be using to divide for kernels per bushel? It's a good question with with a couple of different answers. Um, so on average, we use any you know on a good year, we'd use eighty thousand kernels to make a bushel. You know, on maybe more of a little bit of a stress year, we you know to be conservative, we'll, we'd use ninety thousand kernels um, to make a bushel. I'm telling you, this year. We can decrease that by five to ten thousand kernels per bushel. I believe, at, at least by by five thousand, um, and I, I I think closer to ten is what's going to come to reality when we do the back math on on some of these yields. So the second part of that answer is there's really no one constant. So it, it, depending on your your amount of kernels on the ear will dictate kind of that spread or that range of a kernel weight. So, you know, for example, if you got an ear that has 18 kernels around, you know, and it's 40 long, likely you'll, you're never going to have anything below 80,000 kernels to make a bushel. There's just so many kernels there. Um, and so that's why you got to scale um, up in that situation. Vice versa, you know, I, I, I get people that say, oh, this thing's only 14 around. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's 14 by 38. What, you know, is an example. I, I tell people don't freak out because it's going to compensate. So in situations like that, you know, you're probably somewhere in that 70 to 75,000 kernels to, to make a bushel. So go back to, you know, the corn plant will compensate um, for the most part. So you really can't use a constant, Justin, on on every hybrid you're looking at. Um, you you, you got to look at, at kernels, total number of kernels to kind of give you the baseline. And then I guess my point is, is once you hit that baseline of which we have just calculated three years of data and and made a baseline for every one of our hybrids within golden harvest so um we can take you know our 116 day product and see what that average kernels per bushel was over you know we can see the range and then the average um all the way through the lineup so um so we've got a unique tool now to be able to establish the baseline by hybrid based on historical kernel counts for the most part. And then then you can adjust for grain fill temperatures. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sounds good. Now we talked about soybean diseases at length. Um, what are you seeing for uh, corn diseases out there? Are, we're not seeing nearly the pressure as last year but are they still present to some degree there there's there's diseases around it's 
one of the lowest corn disease years I've seen in in my career, really, to be honest with you. There's a couple of reasons for that, I, I believe, but, uh, you know, it, disease pressure overall, at least within West Central Illinois, <clears throat> is historically low. Now, can I go out and find gray leaf spot? Absolutely. Not a problem. I, I, I just found tar spot. I, I'm 100% sure. Um, last Friday in southern McDonough County, northern Hancock. Um, there's no doubt. And um, it wasn't in epic proportions, but the leaves that did have it, uh, there's there's quite a few leaves. I sent you the pictures. So, um, so it's around, but we just have not been, we haven't been wet enough to have these diseases flare up. Um, you know, tar spot specifically takes, uh, you know, I believe it's seven to eight hours of, of leaf wetness to, to kind of do the infection piece. And don't get me wrong. We've got, you know, the plants are wet in the morning, but we're having, we've got dews because of this weather, but I just don't think we've had enough leaf wetness, at least compared to like last year. Um, for things like tar spot and we haven't had enough southern southerly storms to blow up southern rust so southern it's southern rust been confirmed in southern illinois and missouri but i haven't seen anything anything north of i-72 so again overall fairly low uh, a little bit of northern corn leaf blight but, but not not much um, and so the other thing too, Justin, I mean, <laughs> I mean, growers were proactive. Uh, I mean, airplanes, helicopters, ground rigs, drones, uh, there was a lot of fungicide that got sprayed. So, you know, I don't think we're, inherently we're not going to see as much as normal because there was a lot of acres that got sprayed, but, um, so that's where we're at. So I think the investment in the fungicide is still going to pay. You've heard me talk about the stress mitigation aspects of those products, and there's no doubt. I mean, we, we were pretty warm in July, and then we got pretty dry. And uh, so, I mean, the crop has been under some stress. So I think. I, th I think there's going to be an ROI just from that standpoint right there. Yeah. Any closing thoughts then to leave the listeners with? I guess you covered um, the soybean disease pretty well and um, kind of where we're at as far as, as far as the corn side. Uh, what comes next as we look to the month ahead? Yeah. I mean, no season's ever the same, right? So um, I would be uh, out scouting your corn, um, doing your kernel counts, adjusting down your kernels per bushel, um, figuring out your storage. And don't get me wrong, I mean, it's not a perfect crop, but I think it's going to surprise everybody on 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 what the corn's going to going to make. You know, there was some tip back issues here and there. Um, you know, populations are really good. Kernel counts aren't the best we've ever seen. Um, 
you know, there, there's maybe more 14s and 16s than, than normal. Um, but that doesn't concern me at all now with the August weather we've had. The fill, the kernel weight is, is going to make up for that. So anyhow, plan accordingly on, on your corn and uh, keep your eye on these soybeans. I, I, I'm amazed on what I'm seeing on a day-by-day basis and fields going backwards and showing these symptoms and, um, you know, and on top of that, the, the beans are stressed. I mean, we haven't had enough moisture here in August to really fill out this, this soybean crop. I, I, I think, I think the temperatures got us through on the corn. Um, but I'm, I'm a little concerned if, if we don't, if we don't get any more rains here on where these beans are going to turn out, I, th- I think. I guess my my final comments is, I think beans may be disappointing as combines roll due to some of these disease complexes and lack of August moisture. And I think corn is going to be a pleasant surprise. Okay. Well, we will stay tuned and uh, here this fall. Maybe we'll have to revisit this conversation to see how your predictions turned out. But yeah, we'll keep an eye on soybeans, and uh, just because it looks like sudden death, maybe uh, could be one of these others, brown stem or red root rot or southern stem canker as well. So def- definitely something to keep in mind, and yeah, bees out scouting your beans, and uh, we're continuing to le- learn more too as we see more and more instances of these things and send them in for testing and that type of thing. Absolutely. Thanks, Justin. All right, a big thank you to Brad for taking the time to fill us in on what we're seeing with the soybean disease symptoms that are cropping up and what we can expect for the corn crop. Now, if you have any questions about what we've discussed today, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook at Heritage Ag Solutions, or you can email us at heritageagseeds at gmail.com. We are Heritage Ag Solutions, helping you leave a legacy that lasts. We'll catch you next time.